Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, everybody, welcome. It is Independence Day here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, a day which I look forward to every year. And I, this word does come to mind, though, as I open the show, bittersweet. Why bittersweet? Well, we'll talk to Michael Badnarik, my good friend, the guy that's been lighting the fires of liberty, rekindling those fires of liberty for much of his life, uh, candidate for president in 2004 for the uh, libertarian presidential ticket. We became friends almost immediately at the moment we met uh, as he was uh, during the headlights uh, coming out after the nomination uh, thing picked him after all was said and done. And it changed his life forever. He said he'd never do it again. But, hey, too late. He did it. Uh, the question is, uh, how many more can we do together? And 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 it, it's a miracle in some ways that he's doing this with me today. I want to bring him in. I'll explain that to you all right now. Uh, welcome back, my good buddy, my brother. Michael Badnarik, the man with not nine lives, but 10, 11, or 12 lives. I think I may finally be running out. I, yeah, but uh, up to this point, Rasputin has got nothing on you. No, no. I, I don't know how I'm doing it, but sooner or later, I'm going to miss the boat and not be on the train anymore. Yeah, I realize that, Michael. I've seen, you know, over the years, the challenges that you've had to your health. We've been talking about them on the air uh when you're here you're very forthright about what your experience has been and just want to do a shout out to our mutual friend roseanne Lindsay and her uh support for you over the time when you had that horrible horrible uh heart attack on the steps of the uh, wisconsin uh capitol uh building and here you are years later and it's like we all scratch our heads and go how is this possible <laughs> but your tenacity is something that maybe you know the, the folks that would take you to the other side they're like no he's not ready yet <laughs> well, people ask me, how come I'm not still in heaven? As well, I got to the pearly gates and St. Peter wanted my guns. And I said, well, screw you. I'm, I'm going back. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's like until they have uh, an open carry and uh, constitutional carry position, uh, Michael's not going. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, all uh, jokes aside, although we love to bring the jokes in, I know Michael's got uh, uh, disconnect, reconnect here. We've got that through this hour. Uh, here he is. But the the seriousness with which you have, as well as the fun that you've brought, quite honestly, to all of the times that you've uh, done lectures, as well as your Constitution class. And I'm so grateful to our buddy, Dr. Batar, who invited you to speak at the luncheon at the advanced medicine in San Antonio, you were great. People just loved your message. So important. They, they kind of resonated with it, but at the same time we look around and we go, are people really ready to stand and defend Liberty or regain that, which has been lost. And um, you've come to the conclusion that, you know, maybe not, although at the time of the revolution, after the declaration, what were the, the, the numbers or percentages that they claimed to people that really wanted to take on the crown, the world's biggest superpower at the time? Well, it wasn't really that much. It was about 5%. The, the population was divided three ways. You had um, people who were loyal to the crown, people who wanted independence, and the third group who really didn't care, like, wake me after the war is over. And um, But the people who actually did the participation was about 5%. You don't need that much. You just need this tireless minority. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Thomas, uh, Patrick Henry has always said, you know, give me, give me liberty or give me death. And I see people with t-shirts. I see people with bumper stickers. And I, I, do you know what that means? 
give me liberty or give me debt. Those are your choices. Yeah. Now, I agree with that, but most people are not willing to turn off the TV. To them, it's just a, it's just a moniker, hmm. you know, just a, a lib, bumper sticker you can quote. It well, makes we, them feel good, but they don't actually do anything about it. Well, the explanation of, of what he was saying, because when you say give me liberty or give me death, it, on one hand, I say, wait, liberty is not given to you. You take it. Right. You live it. You That's become true. it. And then yeah. or give me death. He's obviously he didn't want pump somebody to give him death. But he was he just saying, look, I'm taking it. You're going to have to kill me to stop me because I ain't stopping right. that. That's ultimately the message. You, you can kill me, but you can't scare me. You cannot take my liberty until you take my life. And, you know, more recently, the phrase is, you know, you can take my gun from my cold, dead hand which is the same attitude. I'm not giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently relocated to San Antonio. I volunteer at the Alamo. And we had 189 guys die on the inside versus 2,000 Mexican troops on the outside. We were like grossly overnumbered. The Alamo is only one of 12 battles in the war for Texas independence. It's the most famous battle because it was so famously lost. But when I have visitors come through, I explain to them that if 189 men had not died at the Alamo, then there would be no Texas. And if there was no Texas, then you and I would not enjoy the freedom and liberty we take for granted today. And and then I tell them, I am number 190. My job, as long as I'm able to take a breath, my job is to make sure that you never forget why 189 men died here. And I get very emotional about it. I've had people come back crying and and they thank me for reminding them how important the Alamo really is. Well, if we talk about the loss of life in pursuit of liberty it it tends to not be a bloodless scenario in history although most revolutions end up more with more tyranny i think what is unique historically about the american revolution to basically tell king george to go stuff it we're we're on our own now we don't need you or want you uh that it was the first time perhaps in recorded history that a people got together and said we want to form a government that doesn't have a king queen or emperor where the people retain sovereignty and the government has very limited, few and defined powers, and they could not ever supersede those of which we get from our, our, our very existence from a right. creator. Was they said nature or nature's and nature's God. Correct. And Americans have become so ignorant of our history and so apathetic for those principles that the government over the last hundred years has easily changed the whole perspective of things. We, the people are the source of all political power. We give limited authority to the state governments. And then the state governments gave limit some of their limited authority to the federal government. So the federal government is on the bottom of those pyramids, you know, 
And I see more and more um, videos and documentaries where they say, we're the federal government. We're like at the top. And they make it sound as though the 50 states are just merely subdivisions of this larger, grander, you know, federal government. And that is clearly false. But there's so few people who know that. Um, I still occasionally have people calling up, asking me questions. But, you know, they'll briefly have a, a traffic citation. They want my help. They, they start out thinking that I can write some document that's going to make the judge go away. And it's like, you know, if you are in that scenario, like you've already lost, but I've been teaching people the difference between a state citizen mentioned in Article 4 of the Constitution and a United States citizen, which was created in 1868 by Congress. There is a maxim of law that says the creator always has more power than the created. And so we, the people, created Congress. When we ordained and established the Constitution, we brought government into existence. They work for us. And over the course of time, Congress created an artificial status. It's a legal corporation, and it's called United States Citizens. And United States citizens are subject to the authority of Congress. So we, the people, can exercise the right to travel, and United States citizens are required to get a driver's license. We, the people, can defend ourselves and our lives with guns, and a United States citizen must get a concealed carry permit. And so for years, people have been asking me, how do I go from United States citizen on the bottom back to we the people on the top? And for years, I could not answer that question. Now I can. And so if people set up a, a visit with me on my website, we can, we can talk about what their problem is. I can explain some of these issues. And if they're, they're serious about reclaiming their sovereignty, I can show them how to do that. And the best website for them to connect with you, Michael, and also I hope that when they find it, they'll sign up for your email alerts because what you write is, even if it's just a paragraph, uh, I'm just drawn in. You know, just the the way you communicate is so fantastic. But I have either badnarik.org. Is that the best place or is there a better that is, one? That's the best and only place. Okay. That was the website I had before I ran for president. During the presidential campaign, it got all used up, and we created constitutionpreservation.org as a substitute. But nobody was paying attention to that, so I went back to badnark.org. It's my name. That's where people can find me. I have videos up there. I have documents that you can download. A friend of mine wanted to know, if I could come and teach his two teenage girls the Constitution. I went, absolutely. Tell me when, tell me where, I'll be there. But I realized, as intelligent as these two girls are, 
they're only 16 years old. You haven't had enough life experience to really put any of that in context. You're only you're at the age where you're able to start learning. And I realized that even my class, as simple as it is, it it might need they might need a little step up to get started. And so I created a uh, one hour video called how to host uh, how to uh, create a civil society. You know, theoretically. Stand by. Michael will be back in just a moment. Uh, he's uh, been dro dropping in and out. I'll let me reactivate him. Uh, you you uh, started with the word theoretically. And so continue your thought. So if you theoretically want to create a society where people are taking care of each other, there's not a whole lot of violence. Um, how would you do it? And I explained that right now we've got lots of violence. We do not exist in a civil society right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, sad to say, but I go through the, the basic steps, talk about what the Constitution allows, how government violates that. And I explain to these girls that I and you and their dad have spent all this time trying to restore liberty. And apparently we haven't been as successful as we'd like. And the job will ultimately fall to them. And they need to know this basic, simple information if they're going to have any chance of restoring the sovereignty that people mm -hmm. used to have. Uh, yeah, I've talked to young people today about some of these issues of uh, even violence, right? Uh, and I have to acknowledge violence by the state against the people, right? And this is why people that yes. have a, a healthy, uh, let's say, I don't know if fear is the right word, but certainly a, a, a caution around police today because there is police abuse. I mean, but I do know that in any profession, there are bad apples everywhere, but the the government has apparently a monopoly on the use of violence or force. And if you uh, do that, they want to put you away. Yet at the same time, the worst violent areas are the places where they have, in fact, uh, defunded the police, but also highly restricted the presence of firearms in the people that is the, the you know the people that would have firearms for their own defense are hardly allowed to do that and in those areas everybody is a victim or potential victim what about that concept when you talk about we're not living in a civil society what if all the criminals knew that everybody was armed wouldn't that be as i've heard before a well-armed society is a much more polite society oh Oh, I got I got the pause moment here. Stand by. We'll get Michael to answer that. Uh, go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. I I was really hoping this would be a better connection. I've been going to gun shows for years. Gun shows are the most polite places you can visit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're walking down the hall. He's getting uh, some glitchiness there, Michael. But yeah, I agree. Going in through these uh, gun shows where everybody is is packing, it's a very polite and pleasant place to be. Very There's rarely. no violence. Yeah. Nobody never. has ever opened up fire at a location where everybody loves guns. How many how many mass murders have you had heard of happening at a police station? Mm -hmm. Is anybody going to go? 
bursting through the door at the local police station, go, oh, right, you guys. I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't last 30 seconds. Exactly. Well, and that's the concept of, uh, of self-defense. When we talk about the Second Amendment, which was not a, a right that suddenly appeared out of thin air and was granted to people of the United States. It was something that preexisted the uh, Declaration of Independence, even. Uh, that was an idea that uh, I think is lost on some of the young people that they say, well, these are the, the words that gave us the right, as opposed yeah. to the words that would be written or enshrined in theory or in actuality for the people to stay ever vigilant and diligent in the defense of rights that they acknowledge by the putting the words down on paper that preexisted the government that exists because of our very creation. Well, Thomas Jefferson said, you only have the rights you're willing to fight and defend. When my brothers and I were growing up, my mother said, only floss the teeth you want to keep. <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, <laughs> that would be all of them. <laughs> and it, even as children, we understood the the responsibility that it took. Mm -hmm. So if we're at a point of where, you know, I'm just self-effacing and in, in looking at our fellow Americans. And Michael, you've been on the circuit for so long now. And to say that there has been some level of disappointment in the people might be an understatement. But recognizing that's also why I asked you about the percentage of people that genuinely wanted to take on the baddest superpower at that time, you know, with the Declaration of Independence in 1776, for, by the way, far less than our government does to us, what King George did to our, our, uh, you know, our ancestors. And I think that's a stunning thing to st sit back and compare the two and go, man, King George wish he had had the power that the United States government has over its people. Oh, right. Right. If the founding fathers woke up, they'd be like, how come you guys aren't shooting? What are you waiting for? But it was just about a year ago that Texas became a constitutional carry state. And I have, well, except when I'm in the hospital, I, I go out the door wearing my shoulder holster. You know, people were asking me, Michael, are you going to concealed carry? I go, no, I'm going to open carry. I want everybody to see that bad boy under my arm. <laughs> you know, they're going to know that. Now is not the time. Exactly. And, and I so appreciate, uh, I wasn't able, timing-wise, there was so much going on in the three weeks of trips that I was engaging in by the time I hit San Antonio to see you and do the Advanced Medicine Conference. And you were kind enough to loan me uh, a, a man's gun, a 45. although women that hold 45s, I'm impressed. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I wore that throughout the weekend just to, uh, I think, to be an example, as I said, and the people that acknowledged it and saw it. It wasn't I was flaunting it in the way I wore it, but the idea is to let people know as you speak of the, these messages of freedom and liberty that you're willing and you put everyone on notice that you're willing to back it up. And that is, again, the distinction and pretty much what your, your presentation was about. What are you willing to do to defend liberty? Exactly. And the, the answer becomes so obvious. I mean, if somebody is trying to hurt you, you are either willing to defend yourself or you're not. And if you're not willing to defend yourself, then you're just a victim. And so we talked about my presentation before I actually gave it. And it was a series of logical steps up to and stopping just before 
I said, okay, you've got to have to shoot and kill government people. I mean, that, that's the answer. You know, I didn't say that out loud, but it, that was the implied next slide. Yeah. And of course, uh, with all the controversy, uh, not on this end, surrounding the January 6th of last year, they're trying to claim that was an insurrection. I'm like, since when does an insurrection occur with nobody armed with anything but maybe a stick? Uh, other than going back hundreds of years, like the you know some of the French Revolution, but even they had firearms that they took up against their government. Uh, and at this point, remembering that the Declaration of Independence itself would probably be banned and deplatformed if you actually posted it in total, because it talks about the right to alter and abolish the government should it become destruction destructive of the. The, the, the you know everything within the, the declaration what it said these are the reasons we've established government if it violates those things and there's no rightful remedy to to do so peacefully we retain the right to do it however it is required well it's not only your right it is your duty mm-hmm. to throw off a government that's become detrimental to your security it, you have a responsibility we we have children you know, it's our responsibility to feed those children and shelter them and make sure that they learn all the values. But if somebody comes and they start to kidnap your children, you don't just wave goodbye and say, write me a postcard. It's your responsibility to go and defend those children. Mm-hmm. It's our responsibility to defend the rights that the founding fathers identified for us. They didn't create them. We had those rights even before the Declaration of Independence. And it's until the American public wake up and they recognize what their rights really are and what the responsibilities are, then it's hopeless. Yeah, to some degree, you have uh, folks that uh, if you believe, let's say, that life begins at conception, and there are many people of faith that do, and so they are opposed to this uh, medical procedure called abortion, aborting a life in the in the mother's uh, body. You know that life cannot defend itself. So these people try to curtail these uh, these violent events from occurring. And yet what we see are uh, a number of folks percentage wise, I don't know what they are wanting to have the quote-unquote right to terminate the life of that baby at any point, even after they're born. We've seen this. I mean, it's like, how is, how far have we descended away from these principles of defense of life and liberty and property, for that matter, that we'd be willing to try and pass a law to make it legal to for infanticide to occur, for instance? It tells me a little bit about the corruption of the integrity of the populace that we would allow that. Well, if the Supreme Court makes a ruling that says that it's okay, then you no longer have to feel guilty about the crime that you're committing. Mm. And I mean, I don't, I no longer pay attention to television or politics, but I'm told that uh, we've just reversed Roe v. Wade. Is that true? Yeah. They basically said it's bad law. They threw it back to the States, which is apparent. I thought it was always where that kind of law was supposed to be made. There was no, it was, it was supposed to be at the state. Uh, the Constitution only gives federal government three crimes. That's uh, treason, counterfeiting, and piracy. And counterfeiting is where you create artificial money. That's what the Federal Reserve has been doing since 1913. And Congress has a responsibility 
not only to stop it, but to find it and punish it. Mm-hmm. So Congress not only failed in the responsibility to punish counterfeiting, they're authorizing it. it yeah. So, again, these are complex issues. You have to have a level of intelligence and sophistication to understand them. But if you don't know grammar, you don't know how to capitalize your own name, you don't know the difference between then and then. I mean, how are you supposed to understand these high-level concepts? You mentioned, I'm sorry, the three crimes within the Constitution uh, at the federal level that they would address treason, counterfeiting and, and and what was the last piracy, piracy. yeah i thought man there are examples of all three of those that the federal government are engaged in <laughs> yes yes and, and you're like oh we're not supposed to do that <laughs> when i teach my constitution class people are confused it's like well that's not the way we do it so what are you telling me the constitution says a we're doing b and you seem to have a problem with that they, they just wrote those words down. They didn't actually expect us to follow those words. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Mm. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary journey as we learn more about the history of what got us here and then how far we've strayed from all of those principles, those founding principles, and how easy it was. And I, and I admit this, this is not an instant snap of your fingers how easy it was, but over generations to, t- to purposefully omit certain things that we used to learn as par for our upbringing and course. Right. And over that time, we see how far young people are from the things we're discussing because they've never been exposed to it. And their parents had hardly been exposed to it. And then their parents. And so it was a gradual descent away, if you will, from the foundations of this country. And we wake up now and we wonder how did this happen? Well, I think it was orchestrated. I don't think this could have happened by accident. It, It, didn't it was deliberate and the dumbing down of american students was also deliberate if you again if you don't know grammar math and a little bit of science there's no way that you're going to understand these complex issues and so you don't have to change anybody's mind about the constitution you just make them too stupid to understand it in the first place and then we can say look we're we're the experts we're from congress you just you just do what we tell you to do and everything will be fine. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we got some more to discuss here today on the show. It is Independence Day. I call it a spectacular every time Michael Bednark has been here. I think, if I'm not mistaken, without fail, since we started our, our July 4th I, I broadcast. agree, yes. Yeah. And, and I know that this won't be forever because I recognize our lives here have a t- an expiration date. I have a personal belief, Michael, that we live on beyond this life and everybody's got their beliefs and the rights to their beliefs. And I just can imagine you in another uh, scenario, uh, somehow whispering in the ears of those of us who may still be here and go, wait, wait, no, no, no. This is how you do it. <laughs> and I'd I'm, I'm going to have a gun store in heaven. There you go. Something, <laughs> something pretty amazing that everybody would want to visit. And then yeah, welcome, bring... welcome to heaven. Yeah, we got your AR-15s. We got your AK-47s. It's only two <laughs> types of guns: 45s and everything else. <laughs> and you know, my son Elijah, he loves you, and he's like, "Tell Michael, 45s are a girl's gun." He just says that to me. <laughs> oh, he just loves to just pick. You know how he is. He's so. I'd like. No, I'm not going to tell Michael that. 
<laughs> well, it's not true, but you can tell him that I'm going to kick his ass when I see him. Okay, yes, he'll, he'll appreciate that. He'll, he'll, he will expect nothing less, nothing less than that. Uh, so just, just amazing the journey. Again, you've been on in this lifetime. I'm so glad that our paths converged. You know, also, you know, I, you know, when I think about issues like mortality, I mean, look, we've been working with you and in, 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 in your health and everything. And, and I just think about all the things that you've done in this lifetime, and I don't want any of them to go to waste, and including, of course, your books. Um, you know, the biggest one is Good to be King, a Foundation for Constitutional Freedoms, of course, Secrets of Sovereignty and others. And you have a lot of this on your website. But ha- have you established a way that people will be able to still get your books and things afterwards? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was planning for that. I have my own. I've got my will written. I've got an advanced directive. So. They don't waste too much money trying to keep me alive. And I have a young girl. It, it deliberately needed to be somebody significantly younger than I am. We don't want them to start the thing and then have them die off. But um, I have taken my laptop to her. We've gone through it. I've shown her all the details. She knows where to buy all of my books to get them replenished. And, and she will personally keep track of seeing that you know, my books are still available after I'm gone. Excellent. And this is not to be macabre about it at all. You know that, Michael. No. I'm just very pragmatic about the, the knowledge that each of us brings in this lifetime and that some do more than others. This is not about worth of anything, but the things that I've witnessed you do, the things that I've witnessed in your presentations, much less the books, is something that I want to see uh, end up in every school, you know, so that we can regain the ground we've right. lost. It's going to take this kind of education and historical perspective that we've lost. Well, there, I suspect that maybe I'm a little bit uh, biased, but I think that once I'm gone, there's going to be this upsurge. It's like, oh my God, Michael died. We've got to get his books. And that there'll be <laughs> maybe six months, you know, high sales, right. and then it'll drop back to nothing. Well, if you want to get the signature while it's still hot, then uh, yeah. reach out to Michael through badnaric.org and, and uh, get a copy of any of his books or all of them. And we'll continue here. I got to pause and say thank you to those that support this message of health, freedom and healing liberty. Michael, just take a moment. And uh, in, in fact, you know, it's summertime while this happens in the northern hemisphere in America. July 4th is like a highlight of summer. And those of you who are having cookouts today or whatever, please at least I would say at least read the Declaration of Independence with your kids. Uh, and and if, you, if you can go further than that and describe some of the things and the reasons for it, that'd be even better. But I think that would be an annual mm-hmm. tradition that would be great. But while you're outside at the barbecue, you don't want to get eaten up by skeeters and other nasties. So uh, shout out to our friends at Orange Guard. OrangeGuard.com. So safe to utilize, not for the bugs, but for you and Fido and the kitty cats and your, your pets, your, say your kids. Sometimes people can't tell the difference, <laughs> but natural and powerful pest control. If you saw me do it, I uh, actually uh, uh, drank some of this stuff on the air a couple of weeks ago. I'm still alive and kicking. It tasted kind of nasty, but it's not meant to be drunk, but delimiting is that safe. And I did it on the air just to show you. So check out orangeguard.com. Also upcoming events, the red pill expo, our good friend G Edward Griffin who is uh, the author of Creature from Jekyll Island, A World Without Cancer. He is established by the Matrix concept, taking the red pill. What does that mean? I'll be speaking at that event. It's the 9th and 10th of July, this coming weekend in Indianapolis, Indiana. Love to see you there. For those of you who can't, it will stream live. You can get tickets there. We have a link up in the upcoming events tab at robertscatbell.com. And I uh, hope to see you there. Also, there are other upcoming events there, including 
a uh, big one from our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, Jamie Dorley. He's a, he's an amazing guy. Dr. Tracy Straup, Dr. Judy Mikovits, you know, Dr. Len. It's going to be an amazing Saturday event, August 6th in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <coughs> Check out nutritionalfrontiers.com or cbdnf.com, and you can pick up the wonderful certified organic U.S.-grown hemp CBD products for a discount, RSB15, 15% off even when they're already on sale. You can double dip, thanks to Jamie Dorley at Nutritional Frontiers. Uh, also, Trinity School of Natural Health, Trinity Health Freedom Expo. I remember one time, Michael, we had uh, the Trinity uh, event in, I believe it was, it was it in Austin, possibly? Was it Dallas? I'm trying to remember where that, that event was that we had uh, in Texas. Do you remember that some years ago? Is that too much to ask? I, I can't remember because I'm not understanding what you're asking me to. I, it we was, needed a, a freeway with what? No, it was one year, the Health Freedom Expo, usually it was only in L.A. and Chicago. And one year we actually came, I think, to Austin, Texas. And I believe that you were there at that one, too. And I just have good memories of every time we've gotten together. But there's so many events, it's hard to remember. So to ask you to remember, that would be unreasonable of me. Yeah, well, I I agree that we were there. And <laughs> you know, we, we, we continue to do everything we possibly can. Um, you know, I'm pretty much getting bloody to lay down the torch and i've said for a long time when i die liberty is no longer my responsibility so i'm hoping that your listeners will start to pick up the torch of uh, freedom and and start to actively participate in its restoration so what do we look at uh, as far as a a, a rightful remedy you know many times our, our good friend and a shout out to michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. Michael, you know, he loves you and he's always glad when I'm giving updates on you because it's hard to keep up with you. There's a lot of people that do care about you. And, and when you're in the hospital, as I mentioned this uh, last show, say, please don't bombard Michael with text or tell him what he needs to do. It's not about that. Just support, send your love and prayers, whatever it is at, at those times. But, you know, the, the 10th Amendment is, a, you know, was a profound check against federal uh, overreach. Yet at the same time, We've seen evidence that federalism can work under the 10th Amendment with the so-called legalization of a plant that was here long before, right. you know, that, things like that. Other things about the uh, states pushing back like constitutional carry, not enforcing the uh, Second Amendment violations at the federal level of which both liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans have engaged in over the years. So it's it's not uh, uh, that there's only one side to blame, right? It's only on one bad guy. We're all to blame in this context. But principles, the question is, when do we identify and reconnect to the principles and say principles are not something you compromise? Yes, you can compromise other things in life, but not principles. And I agree. And I like Michael. He's the Tenth Amendment is the um, smoking gun, if you will excuse the pun, yes. that proves that we the people are on top, the state governments work for us, and that the federal government is on the bottom. When you read the Tenth Amendment, it's a little bit Shakespearean, you know, you, yes, we have no bananas, but when you read the Tenth Amendment and understand it, there's no possible way, there's no possible way you can think that the federal government is in charge and that we are subsidiaries of it. And so, yes, bang that drum, talk about the 10th Amendment, 
talk about the Ninth Amendment also, um, talk about the um, preamble to the Bill of Rights. I, for a long time, I didn't know that there was a preamble to the Bill of Rights. And it says the, you know, we had these conventions and we wanted to prevent further misconstruction of the Constitution. Misconstruction is a deliberate misunderstanding. And that's what the Bill of Rights was supposed to do. And the Ninth and Tenth Amendments together are the, the one-two punch. Anybody starts telling you this BS that the federal government is on top, you just use the Ninth and Tenth Amendment and their argument cannot stand. And I want to thank Michael and his organization for for working so hard for so long to get that message out. I mean, I'm, you know, he's got to be successful unless you don't know what the definition of is, is. <laughs> yes. I, I was, I thought you were going to say uh, Michael Bolton's got to be in his sixties by now. He's been at it so long, but no, he's not. <laughs> he's younger than both of us, but yeah. yeah, we appreciate him and all the folks that have plugged into that and shown evidence of the ability of the people in the states to stand in the face of seemingly an overwhelmingly powerful centralized bureaucracy. And even the recent Supreme Court decision against the EPA has taken a, a, a little chunk out of the power of the bureaucratic oligarchy. Uh, that is the unlimited ability to make laws outside of the purview of Congress, which is I don't think Congress was allowed to delegate that to a, a bureaucratic oligarchy in the executive branch. No. That's what we've seen. Yeah. And, and like I said, you got to understand these basic principles. They're not complicated, but you just need to sit down and pay attention to them long enough that they make sense. And then you look at whatever government is doing and you go, that's not OK. That is not OK. These people are guilty of treason mm -hmm. and treason is punishable by life imprisonment or death. So. I won't even ask you to pay for my ammunition. So some people do, uh, they coil back when it comes to violence. And I, and I do understand the thought form. It's like, it's not like I want to engage in violence to hurt people. It's not what I live for. No. And I know even you, Michael's like, I don't, I don't wake up thinking who am I going to, it's, it's more or less a recognition that when our lives are so threatened, when our liberties, when our, property, right? All of these things, much less our desire to have a wonderful life, pursuit of happiness, own property and maintain it is, is so usurped that at a certain point, even the most nonviolent of us must consider what are we, or ask the question, what are we willing to do when our backs against the wall? Now, if you believe in nonviolence, there is evidence that there are changes to this planet that happen in nonviolence. I mean, I, I put the, uh, the Rosa Parks example as a great one. Exactly. where she refused to go to the back of the bus. And that started in its own right a revolution. Yes, there was some violence associated with civil rights protests and such, but it really did stimulate a powerful transformation in a, in a government that had instituted, if you will, discrimination against certain people based on skin color, for instance. And, and yet um, we see that sometimes there's a point in a place where you have to be willing to defend your life with, again, the violence that we don't want to see, right. but they need to know that you're willing to use it if they That's uh, correct. Say push you far enough. That's correct. And, you know, most people who know me, they're not threatened by me. They're glad to see me there. 
And if there is trouble, they're even more glad to see me there because they know I'm not going to let bad shit happen. Mm -hmm. I will, I will take the bull by the horns and, and basically protect myself and anybody around me. Mm -hmm. And, and going back to the, uh, a Tenth Amendment, Ninth and Tenth concept of uh, non-federal supremacy. In other words, we come back to it, the supremacy clause within the Constitution. I always go back and I say, I explain it this way, that that supremacy clause is only applying to things that are made in pursuance with the Constitution. That is, if Correct. you are in line with the limited powers that you have and you conduct yourself accordingly, yes, in that those particular specific enumerated powers were granted the federal government. But if you go beyond that, even a millimeter, in my opinion, much less an inch, then suddenly that supremacy clause no longer applies. Is that too simplistic? I don't think it is too simplistic. I don't understand why people don't get it, but you're correct. It, any law that's passed is not pursuant to the Constitution. The Constitution is here to protect our lives, liberty, and property. And so if the law protects your life, liberty, and property, then it is pursuant to the Constitution. If it violates your life, liberty, or property, then it is not pursuant to the Constitution, and we should have stopped it before it got started. Yeah. And so call me if you need backup. <laughs> right, right. And then we have um, thematic elements eking into our culture, whether it be from Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum or uh, Castro's son Trudeau in Canada, or even many of our own uh, most liberal collectivists in, in Congress, whether they be Democrat or Republican, I don't care, that they are tending to gravitate toward the concept of you will own nothing and like it. As if to think that if we remove all of your responsibility, we're going to take care of you. Nobody will take care of you like you would take care of you when you realize that's the aspect of the twin uh, aspects of liberty or freedom is responsibility. Right. Yes. Now, all, every right has a responsibility. You have a right to life, and so you have a responsibility to put food down your throat. If you refuse to put food down your throat, then you will soon lose the right to life. That's so easy but anyway we we will continue fighting on i will do my best to regain my health and a little bit of energy and we'll find another place to meet up and we'll talk treason yeah well look i i as you know i'm strengthened by your presence my friend and every time we get together it just even in the midst of the difficulties that happen in life and that you've been through physically uh, still, when we connect, I, I'm just in live and I'm like excited again about these these things that I am passionate about that I, that you're passionate about. And when you connect to people that have that similar passion and they may not know all the reasons why they feel the way they do, but that's part of the historical uh, revisiting to really strengthen your resolve. And, you know, my daughter uh, was in a, in a uh, play this this past week and three days in a row, three, three shows a day, Cries of Liberty. And and she's it's a journey, a musical journey through history from Joan of Arc and all the way to the United States revolution and, and how it got here. And I know it goes back further than that. I think on one level, the seeds of Liberty are planted in each of us, but many of us have never had the concept for if you were born in a certain country, for instance, that didn't have freedom, but yet they yearn for it. As we've seen over our lifetime, Michael, people that have lived under socialism and communism that have survived it and desired to come to America. Many of them are still here and have been as, as openly 
advocating uh, uh, the path of freedom than any American born in America that took it for granted. And right. they've warned us. They said, you guys are going the wrong direction. I know I've seen it time and time again in, in my country. There are people from Poland, people from Germany, people from the Czech, formerly Czechoslovakia, these places, Cuba, even if they've escaped Cuba, they recognize the, the, that government when left unchecked will in, in, inevitably centralize itself maybe by intent at the beginning with some of these kinds of forms of government but in the sense of what we're seeing in the united states of america it's the warning our founders gave us that if we ever went to sleep on liberty that this would happen and as i said before king george would have killed to have the power the united states government exerts over its own so-called people but it, yes. it's just amazing yes it is but time will tell you know you and i have done everything we can to get the message out. Um, we've stood side by side and made these things happen, but we are here for a limited amount of time and sooner or later, the next generation is gonna have to either learn what we knew and apply it or the history of the United States will cease to exist. Yeah, and I don't want to leave this place and have my kids or their kids one day look back and said, well, why didn't he do something? Why didn't he do anything, right? I'm looking at Michael, and I'm going, dude, Michael did as much or more than anybody in this lifetime, just short of uh, a violent revolution, uh, you know, because at this point, it's not the intent to become a martyr to this this cause, although there, there may be, there will be, and in history there have been. But the idea is if we live peacefully in this principled stance on liberty, it is less likely that the government could ever have grown to this point, uh, that it, it really threatens that we've lost all ability to have a peaceful transformation to make sure that we regain that which we have lost without bloodshed. It is not me or you advocating bloodshed. That's not the point, even though Tom, was it Thomas Jefferson who said every uh, so often uh, the tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of tyrants to say that now, of course, it's misconstrued by legacy media, all communist as, as it is in belief system, much less centralized bureaucrats and uh, uh, alphabet soup agencies in government mean, oh, now you're a domestic terrorist simply because you recite the words of the founders, for instance. Yeah. It, it's them turning the tables. They're the ones that originally used the violence. And now when we consider using violence to protect ourselves, that's when they go, oh, my gosh, you're being violent. And, you know, really, you should not protect yourself is what they're telling us. And you shouldn't even talk about it because we're going to come and get you. That tells you how scared people are if they begin to go in silence rather than speak up and out while you still have the opportunity. I've mentioned this uh, the other day. A uh, friend of mine whose father is a, a, a semi-famous musician. I mean, he's done a lot of music over the years with uh, Steve Miller Band and others out of the Bay Area. And I learned that the, the people that love freedom in that area have to actually meet in secret because they're afraid of the ramifications of coming out, whether it be violence against them or their businesses or who knows what else that we're living in certain areas of this country, Michael, right now, as if you're in East Germany and you're part of the resistance underground, you don't know who to trust. So you, you have secret code, secret handshakes just to be able to get in the door. Right. Well, I carry a gun. I really don't care. You're not going to take my liberties. You're not going to take my property. So if you're thinking about it, come big or stay at home. 
Yep. And shout out to uh, the organization Jews for the Preservation of Firearms. Uh, they understand that had they not been disarmed under uh, the Nazi Third Reich, they could have taken out a bunch of Nazis along the way. If they had stopped it, who knows? But certainly uh, the world could do with a few fewer Nazis. Yes, absolutely. And their their motto is never again. And they are one of the best Second Amendment organizations in the United States. And I highly applaud Aaron Zellman for, for getting the information out there. Well, a lo- uh, another aspect of my Jewish brethren out there have completely given up on that and gone so loony left that they want everybody disarmed and they have no earthly idea of the history or they don't care at this point. Uh, so, uh, again, I'll acknowledge anybody that wants to stand arm in arm for defense of liberty. And remember, the liberty we're talking about is not exclusive to one religion or race or no. you know, anything like that. This is about a plurality of experience, a human experience that left the government outside of the equation to allow us to live that pursuit of happiness, how we perceive it, as long as we violate the rights of no one else in that process. It seems pretty straightforward. It, it is straightforward. So, and that's what we've been preaching for over 20 years here. And you know, all we can hope for is that sooner or later, somebody will begin to understand us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know what the future uh, portends. I, I don't pretend to be, let's say, a prognosticator of timelines on any of these things. But I will say, and inevitably, that a nation that has in, been in existence for 220 plus years. I mean, we're actually, where are we heading to the 250th uh, year? 246. To be exactly. Yeah. So we're at 246. If we make it four years right now, people are going, wow, that'd be a miracle. And I, I don't like talking like that, except to acknowledge the, 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 the thread, you know, the thread that we're hanging by as far as how much more liberty can we lose and still be considered a country that defends it, much less a constitution that was written after the Declaration of Independence and Articles of Confederation to form a more perfect union that seems to not be working all that well, because not because the paper was wrong or what was written on it so much as the people unwilling to live that which the founders had said. We leave this to our posterity. That's us. Yes, I agree. Uh, so uh, we've got a few minutes left here on our Independence Day discussion, as we do every year. And I'm, I can't tell you how much I have gratitude for you, Michael, how much love I have for you that we've been on this journey together in this lifetime and continue. This is, for me, another miracle that we're here. I mean, last week we were talking, you're in the hospital. I'm thinking, are we going to be able to do another one? I'm not trying to be selfish or anything, but Mike, stick around a little longer, right? And, yeah, yeah. I want you to go out and I'm trying. I know I'm you trying. are, dude. It's not for lack of trying. You're here. Uh, but I, I would love to see, and this is just me, you getting back on the sailboat, getting out there and doing a doing a trip around the Caribbean or something, all of the things that you, you know you're so worthy of, considering all that you've done in this lifetime to rekindle the fires of liberty for those who had lost it or had never knew what it was. Well, when you go to Indianapolis next weekend, give uh, G. Edward a big hug for me. Tell him I think about him all the time. He's my hero. He's the one who pushed me over the edge and turned me into a crusader. Mm. Up until then, I was going, well, this is kind of important. And I read uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. I went, oh, my gosh, the problem is much worse than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's a great man. Yeah, and he's in his upper 80s at this point, too. Uh, and uh, 
he's hanging in there pretty tough. It's pretty amazing the the journey that he's been on to teach us what that which we we forgot. And he was in broadcast media for years. I love him. And and in fact, it's funny in talking with Ed over the years. And I told him, look, I read your book too, Ed, and it really stimulated another layer of of of, of desire to go deeper into the history of how we got here. And this is how I live based on that. And he's like, oh my gosh, you, you really took me seriously. I said, yes, of course I took you seriously. So it's just, it's a, he's got a respect about the way I've taken what he's written that he re- recognizes not many people do. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Believe me, there are certainly areas where I could do better, but in each area that you have a strength and a desire and a principled uh, a stance to move forward, stand up because it's, you know, when you're facing that proverbial pearly gates or whatever you believe on the other side, you can say, look, these were my beliefs and I stood by them. And if I and if my beliefs were wrong and I was and encountered something that would convince me of otherwise, then I changed them and I and I live by those as opposed to abandoning principles and uh, at the, 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 the first sign of danger or a warning. Right. And I think that there are thousands of years of historical examples. And these are the people that you remember. Uh, and, and speak about so that it, that those people inspire us today as, as I'm inspired by you too, Michael. I was doing a radio program at seven o'clock from seven to nine in the morning, central time. And I had to had, I needed guests and I called and spoke with Edward and he said, yes, he was happy to do the show. And I said, are you, you're aware that, it's seven o'clock my time. It's going to be 4 a.m. your time. I said, are you okay with that? And Edward said, would you do an interview at 4 a.m.? I go, well, yeah, of course. And he said, Michael, give me a little credit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt bad bad for doubting him. Right. That he's, he's a wonderful guy. Well, when you live with principles, you never sleep. And I, hey, look, I'll admit, I'll complain a little at those early time interviews, but I, I joke about it and I'll go, yeah, of course I'll get up. I mean, I might gripe a bit, but just bear with me. We'll be there. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and we do it and we do it. It's, it's whatever's necessary. So while you're still here and breathing, you're on this side of the dirt. Thank God. Uh, people can reach out to you through badnaric.org. You know, if you want, a, want a constitution class, you want to get an autograph book, you want to consult on a various uh, things that you have expertise in, please take advantage of that while you're here. Because when you're not, it's like I said, you said liberty's no longer it, your problem. It, it's going to be too late. So, yeah, contact me now. Let everybody know. And and uh, if we have opportunities to do more in-person events or if, Michael, you get back out there and are able to give tours again at the Alamo or anything else like that, I want to know because I want to let folks that listen to us in that city that you're in now, for the most part, get to connect with you uh, while you're here and say, I knew Michael when I'm not trying to write you off. You know that I'm sensitive to what I've been witnessing in your <laughs> journey. I'm like, I, yeah, you know, it's like it's, it's it's freedom, but it's like it's me going, hold on. But that's, again, my selfishness, because, you know, uh, you know how we are. We don't want to we don't want to do without if we if we can avoid it. So uh, we can. on. So anything else as we wrap up here about, well, less than a minute to go. I just like said, uh, shout out to everybody that supports this message of health, freedom and healing liberty. Please share the show. Uh, we do not have pharmaceutical money to do it artificially. It happens organically. And, and Michael Badnarik has uh, inspired me to continue this message, as I've done for the many years uh, since we've met. 
So my website, badnaric.org, send me an email, uh, call me on the phone. I'm, I'm here to help while I am here. Beautiful, beautiful. I think there was a, oh yeah, this is the, this is not an encore presentation. I just popped that up because uh, my producer is not here. So I hit the wrong button, but no, this has been a live, if you will, first time presentation on July 4th, 2022. The Independence Day Spectacular that we've been doing annually with Michael Bednarik since we met when he ran for president back in the 04 cycle. Michael, God bless you, my friend. Love you. Thank you for being on board and inspiring me and others along the way. Give your entire family a big hug for me. I love them all. And I'm going to come and visit you in Utah as soon as I get healthy enough to drive my car again. All right. Well, we'll look forward to burning rubber, so to speak, with that uh, beautiful eight-cylinder of yours. Thanks for being here, y'all. God bless you. Uh, Independence Day doesn't happen by accident. you got to step up and defend it, and we're here for you and with you on that journey. The power to heal, even politically, is yours.